Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce and I'm so thankful that you're here. In my sister's group, we do a plant medicine ceremony each season, working with the theme of that season. In July, we held our circle for the summer, which is also known as the South, working with mushrooms. I had hit a little hiccup in one of my sister relationships that week, and I was feeling a little nervous about going into medicine use with that still there, but also was trusting that whatever was there was there to be worked with. The previous week, I was at the tantric retreat that my last solo cast was about. And if you listen to that, then you know a big part of that experience involved healing sisterhood wounds. I knew this could be alchemized, but I also knew that the trigger currently there was not just about my current experience, but that it was historical. And that's the beauty of triggers and conflict with another. It often points to something historical that hasn't yet been healed. And there's rich opportunity there. We arrived to our little treehouse, Airbnb, and I started to feel the medicine almost immediately, even though we hadn't even poured it yet, an excitement whirled within me, which is funny because medicine is always such a hard experience for me for the first hour or so, but I always forget about that and instead remember the golden honey of the experience instead, feeling only excitement for what's to come with the future cups. One of us sat out of drinking and just held space very much as the mother archetype, which was really beautiful. The rest of us sat in a circle and held the medicine, saying a prayer into it, which was one of my favorite prayers by Paul Selig. And he is a guest on this podcast in about a month. I'm super excited for that. As soon as one of my sisters started to say the prayer, though, I felt so much ugliness rising up inside me. I don't know that ugliness is even the right word, but that's what it felt like in that moment. It's like everything in me wanted to run out of the Airbnb to get away from that prayer. And why? I love Paul Selig and I love prayer, but still my being was like, get me away from this. And as soon as she said, amen, I darted outside. I started to remember how the first hour of any medicine is so hard for me. In the first hour, I always ask, why do I do this? Why do I ask other people to do this? This feels absolutely awful. Why do I keep putting myself through this? Sometimes I ask that at the beginning of a yoga class too, (laughs) but I get so enmeshed in the misery and pain that I completely forget that it's temporary until I remember and I start to breathe through it. And I think that this is the medicine retraining my brain to remember It's all temporary. It all passes. A smile is always around the corner. Depression is basically a lack of hope for the future. I grew up not having that hope. Every day felt the same. I had zero hope. And so sometimes I forget to have hope now for the future. 
I forget that when something or someone hurts me, it's not forever. It's what has fueled my disorganized attachment style in relationships. If a fight happens or I feel miserable, I think it's for forever and that I have to get out. Because as a kid, that was my reality. Nothing ever got better. So my brain was wired that way. And this, with the medicine, this temporary hell, it's the rewiring, the retraining of my brain to know that it passes, to just breathe, to hold my nervous system in as much safety as possible, and to just wait it out, to hold on. I think I've told this story before, but when I was 27, I had depression hit me really hard. It had done that every six months or so since I was like 10 years old, but like debilitating depression that wouldn't let me get out of bed. Every six months, I'd feel depressed in between, but like that, for some reason, that like six month mark, it would get really bad. And I'd fantasize about ending my life. I'd scroll through my phone contacts, but not call anyone because I convinced myself no one could understand what I was feeling. No one could hold it. It was too big of a burden. And that summer when I was 27, it had gotten really, really dark. Six months later, that was, that was exactly 10 years ago, actually, because it's now talking about the summer of 37. <laughs> Six months later, I was backpacking Thailand by myself and sleeping in a little tent at the bottom of a beautiful mountain in Pai, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It was my 28th birthday. There was a river on one side and a field of flowers on the other. It was the most romantic experience, even though I was by myself. And I felt so happy, full of life, full of awe and wonder and curiosity for the future. I definitely wasn't lacking hope in this moment. And I thought, this is the happiest I've ever been. And then it hit me. Six months prior, that summer of being 27, I had thought about ending it all. I could have missed out on this. It was mind boggling to me how only six months later I was the happiest I'd ever been. And that day I got a little tattoo there in Pai. They do it with a little bamboo stick. And the tattoo said smile in Thai to remind me that a smile is always around the corner. This reminder wasn't a snap of the fingers though. It didn't undo 27 years of the wiring in my brain that I must run from pain or else it will consume me forever and never get better. And that's why I believe that the medicine does this. It's teaching my brain to experience both, to experience hell, then heaven. I remembered this and I just kept breathing. Actually, as I'm recording this, I'm remembering that earlier this week, I was dragging my feet and just wanting to crawl under a rock. I cried so hard I popped blood vessels on my face. And I'm not hesitant to share that because I have no shame in that. I don't allow for emotional constipation and crying is very cleansing for me. And I told myself that I was still going to show up. That that was what was, that was, what was going to be what I proved to myself in this time where I didn't want to get out of bed this week that I've gotten to the point where I'm still able to show up for my clients, for my kids, for my trainings, for this podcast. And I did that and magic happened, even though I was feeling this way. And I showed up for it all. And only a few days later, I was dancing in bliss and feeling so in love with life and so much fire in my belly as I was creating. And I know 
more stop sessions will come. And that doesn't terrify me anymore because I know it's temporary. That's what the medicine's done for me. So back to the mushroom circle, I looked around and could tell we were all in that place, that place of purging, of sitting with our internal hell, really sitting with it. And I saw one of my sisters down in a pile of sticks out in the forest, moaning and crying and maybe vomiting and fear overcame me where she was laying looked like a tick paradise. And I've watched a few people suffer with Lyme this last year and didn't realize how much PTSD-like feelings I had in my system from it. I worried for her. My mind was racing. What if she has a tick on her? What if she brings one inside and gets on someone else? Should I go check her body? Should I ask her to get to get out of there, to, to like get out of that area? Oh, I felt crazy. And I didn't want to intrude on her experience, so I went inside. I laid down and I started to think of my daughter, Jaya. Sometimes when she gets upset, she can say some pretty dark stuff about life and about herself, even though she's only six. And it scares me. I want nothing more than for her to thrive. And when she's in grief, it terrifies me. All of a sudden, in this mushroom experience, I became her grief. And I felt what was underneath it. It came from her not feeling important. And this came from me and her dad separating. If she was important, why couldn't we just figure our shit out? She has to do that with her brother. Why couldn't we? Because we didn't, she doesn't get to see her two favorite people every day. And she's always missing one of us. She still longs to live with both of us together. And she's hurt that we won't give that to her. It would fill her heart with joy for that to happen, at least in her mind. In reality, it would not be the best environment for her because we had a toxic dynamic, but that's not what she's feeling. She's feeling that she wants us all in one home. And four years later, she's still grieving it. And she still feels unimportant because of it. All of her friends' parents live together. And I sat with her pain I felt how deep it went. It stayed terrifying for quite some time. And then I realized when I was a little girl, no one was ever ever able to hold space for my grief. No one even saw it. No one taught me how to be with grief. And I started to get angry. I started to feel that it's not fair that I have to learn how to reparent myself while parenting two children and that they're having to experience this as well. A parent that is still healing so much trauma. And so I started to sit with my own grief. And somewhere in this process, I was able to sit with both mine and Jaya's grief and just be with it without any fear. I didn't fear her grief would one day take her from me. I didn't fear it would keep her from joy. All I wanted to do was be able to sit with her in it without flinching, to let her know it could be held. And also in doing this, she starts to feel how important she is again. She learns how to sit with grief. I felt consumed by my love for her like nothing I've ever experienced. (laughs) A mother's love. There's nothing like it. I looked up and saw one of my sisters in the bath. She was singing and praying and in such a beautiful healing place. I noticed the medicine had shifted. We were no longer in that first hour of hell. 
it had passed. I looked back at her in the tub and thought, God, it's fucking beautiful to watch a woman heal. Look at how beautiful this is. What was I thinking? That it's not fair that my kids have to have me as a mother while I heal. This is fucking beautiful. It's inspiring to watch a woman heal. It's empowering. My children get to watch a woman heal. What a gift. I'm a huge This Is Us fan. Watched it three times from start to finish and we'll definitely end up doing a fourth. And there's a scene, I think it's in the last season, where Beth is helping a dancer on stage that has just fallen and she's encouraging her to get back up and try again. It's moving because Beth has healed her trauma in her childhood when it came to dance. And here she was on stage preventing the same trauma from happening to another girl. The most moving part, the part that made me cry, was when Randall, her husband and father to their three girls, looked at their daughter and said, look at, looked over to their three daughters and said, look at your mother. Don't ever forget how amazing your mother is. And he said it with tears in his eyes because he, he looked at her seeing how amazing she is. And her three daughters looked at her and they watched their mother who healed while being a mother stand on a stage and live out her healing. We may not have anyone whispering this in our kids' ears, but they're still watching us. They are seeing our healing journey and the light that we are in the world and they will never forget it. They'll be able to say, look at all that my mom did. Of course, replace this with father if you're a man listening, but it's such a powerful reframe from I have to parent while healing to my children get to see me heal. God, <laughs> the beauty in that. One of my sisters came over and hugged me. She was singing to me and I was just enjoying it. When out of nowhere, this bubble it felt like a literal bubble inside my solar plexus popped and I started to weep. Like it was like the weeping, the tears were inside that bubble and they just popped out of me. It was like this pocket of grief. I, I had no idea was there as if I had been holding my breath or keeping my breath from like getting too deep my whole life to keep this bubble from popping. The sobbing wasn't something I could control and she just held me. And the way that it popped, it also felt like it was showering me, cleansing me. When she walked away, my entire body started to feel orgasmic, like nothing I've ever felt. <laughs> and I've talked about a lot of orgasms on this show. It felt like, yeah, this is what's on the other side of being able to sit with grief. This is even what's on the other side of our parenting when we can learn to sit with their big emotions. Everything just becomes one big orgasm. And I know that's a weird way to look at it, y'all, but the medicine speaks to us in ways that we can understand and orgasms are my language. <laughs> so I kept hearing over and over, it's all just one big orgasm. And I thought about coming back life after life, which we just keep coming back to do it over and over again. And I pictured us looking back at our last life and seeing all the pain, all the beauty, all the ups and downs, and just seeing it as so beautiful and looking back on it with so much love has one massive orgasm and saying, put me back in. I'll do it again. 
Again, I know it's a different way to look at it, but to me, it's so beautiful. I went into the bathroom where my sister was bathing and she looked at me and said, would you like to be baptized? I laughed and said yes with my whole heart. And I got in this beautiful bear claw tub and went underwater. The tub became the coziest womb. I couldn't have been under there long, but it felt like long enough to experience healing in a womb space. I felt my mother there with me. I felt more love for her than I ever had before. She didn't have the tools for healing. I didn't really get to watch her heal much, but she carried me in her womb. I felt love for my grandmother who carried my mother in her womb. And Lane Redmond teaches that all the eggs a woman will ever carry form in her ovaries while she is a four-month-old fetus in the womb of her mother. This means our cellular life as an egg begins in the womb of our grandmother. Each of us spent five months in our grandmother's womb, and she in turn formed within the womb of her grandmother. I cherished both of their wombs and felt so much love for them. There was a type of compassion and understanding that felt different than before. We vibrate to the rhythms of our mother's blood before she herself is born. And this pulse is the thread of blood that runs all the way back through the grandmothers to the first mother. We all share the blood of the first mother. We are truly children of one blood. Sacred ancestry adds the beautiful interpretation of that as the maternal lineage is a lineage of wombs that birthed other wombs, creating a line of women who hold the stories and energies of all the women who have come before them. We store the stories of our mothers and grandmothers in our wombs. And when we connect to our wombs and listen to our intuition, when we listen to our wombs, we help to heal our feminine ancestral trauma. And being in the tub in this womb felt like deep healing, not just for mine, but for all of those wombs. And I didn't feel, I didn't only feel my mother's and my grandmother's wombs, I also felt Mary Magdalene's. And all of a sudden I felt so thankful for all that I thought had been taken from me as a child. All that I thought I had missed out on. The deeper it had been stolen, the deeper I had reclaimed it. I didn't have an ounce of anger towards my mother or an ounce of sadness. I wouldn't have chosen anyone else. I saw it all from this orgasmic view and it was beautiful. All of the pain was a part of this beautiful movie. I went outside to dry off and was standing in the same spot I was in, early, was in earlier when I was fearing the ticks and the Lyme disease. And I'm not sure how to describe this, but this tick energy or spirit showed up to me and said, I, just like everything else, have consciousness. I only give my medicine to who needs it. It can be hard to see it, but my medicine is a purification process in the great awakening of our planet. And I know it sounds crazy. It can also feel dismissive to those who have suffered from Lyme and other diseases from ticks, but I somehow felt gratitude in that moment and also a deep sense of trust. There was a thought that came of, what if it were your children though? And I leaned into trust and I put my hand on my heart and I said, I trust, I trust, I trust. And this was put into action last week when I found a tick attached to my daughter's neck. And her dad said that he sees them pop up at his house from time to time. 
And I wanted to panic because of what I've seen Lyme do to people I love. And then I found my center. I remembered that message and I said, I trust. Trusting is not the same as being inactive. It doesn't mean I don't test the tick for diseases or give her any sort of detox. It just means that I don't do it out of fear. I don't do it out of panic. Remembering Paul Selleck's teaching of what you damn damns you back. When you fear something, you call it in. I want to say that I say this message with the utmost care. I know the pain that comes with sickness and I don't want to discredit or invalidate or lack empathy for any of that. Like I said earlier, the medicine speaks to us in ways that we can understand and in truth that we need. It doesn't benefit me to fear any of it. And it feels like a necessary thing to share, but you don't have to take it on as your truth. My sister, who didn't take the medicine, used the night for rest because she is currently pregnant. And I was just so in awe of how she was already stepping into her mother archetype, how much she embodied it when I looked at her. God, the most beautiful woman. I just tear up just thinking of her radiance. And her holding that space while there felt like a huge part of why I was able to experience all that I did around motherhood. The medicine started to wind down. And although it doesn't sound like that much happened compared to other solo casts about my medicine experiences, that grief experience and watching a woman heal as something being beautiful was a big, big chunk of the night for me. And it felt really needed. I also wanted to share a little piece of gratitude for these sisters in my circle before closing. The sister circle that's so beautiful. After the medicine wore off, we were sitting outside under the stars, probably naked and cuddling. <laughs> and I was sharing with them a recent experience that I had that felt really powerful for me. And they didn't quite understand what I was articulating and their response was not what I expected. And in the past, I would have shut down, internalized it, pushed them away, told myself I don't fit in here. They don't understand me. But I definitely, if anything, I wouldn't have spoken it. And if I did, I would have done it with, I would not have done it with an open heart. I likely would have sent a text a few weeks later after some inner moping. But in that moment, the woman I am now, as I was feeling that way, I said, I'm feeling some shame for this experience that felt really sacred to me. And I don't want it to invalidate the experience, but I'm now questioning it. And I don't want to do that because I know what this was for me. And immediately one of my sisters said, what can we do to help alchemize the shame into something more useful in this moment? And another sister said, you know, we weren't there. And I think we just need to ask more questions so we can better understand. So they asked questions to better understand. And even though we didn't necessarily get on the same page about the experience, it was beautiful to have a conversation with that framework and so fucking healing. Because of the safety this group provides me in sisterhood in a way I've never experienced before, I was able to speak my feelings as I felt them in a transparent and open-hearted way, knowing they would reflect back to me and also hold my feelings without trying to force me to feel something else. And when we don't do this, it can give space for stories to be created and for wedges to come between us. And I'm so thankful for the beauty that they've brought to my life. And it has bled into so many other areas of my life as well. I no longer hold on to things and let them fester. If someone says something hurtful, I let them know. And I either set a boundary with that person when that's what my truth is, or I ask, hey, what's underneath this? To them and to myself. I had never learned to do this and I've been able to practice it in this group to where now I am able to do it with others. 
another beautiful thing about this group is its level of integrity. I have never experienced the depth of integrity that I have in this group in a group setting. The accountability, the reflecting, the honesty, the amount of love brought to it all, the safety goes deep. When I first started a podcast back in 2018 and started interviewing such amazing people, it began to be such a bright area of my life. Through that brightness, what was not a light in my life then was able to stand out. And I slowly but surely removed those things. Had I not had something in my life that shines so bright, I may not have even noticed these things to be so contrasted. The sisters group has played the same role. There have been other groups where the foundation seemed to be gossip or where I simply didn't feel resonant or that the inner work wasn't being matched and done so that the friendship was mutually beneficial. There were groups where there was just a lack of integrity, a disrespect of boundaries or a disrespect in communication. Had I not experienced this sisters group, I wouldn't know what it felt like to be in a group that is a full fuck yes. And quite frankly, I just don't have space for anything else anymore. That's not to say that it doesn't come with its challenges at times, but the integrity makes all the difference. And I'm so thankful for the queens, for this medicine, for my womb and the wombs I come from. I'm thankful that I show up for big work, for myself, for my ancestors, for my future generations, for my clients, for my listeners. I'm thankful for that bravery. I'm thankful for grief and that it's temporary, I'm thankful that on the other side of it all is one big, massive orgasm. If you'd like to support this show, there are a couple of ways you can do that. One is by leaving a review. Reviews, a lot of guests that I want to have on will look at the reviews to see if they should come on. So reviews say a lot. You could also hit subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. You could share an episode with a friend. If you thought of someone while listening to this, that's likely your intuition saying that they could benefit from hearing it. You can also support the people who support this show, the affiliates, the sponsors, Gene Keys, uh, life-changing. Gene Keys is amazing, y'all. Oh my gosh. It's like, um, it's an internal GPS. It's just the most beautiful thing. I, I, I had an episode with the creator, Richard Rudd. It's one of my favorite episodes, so check that out. But if you if you go to the link in the show notes, and I'll also read it off here, and they have tons of free resources. But if you if you purchase anything using this affiliate link, then I will get a little cut. I'll get a little um, percentage, and that's a way to support the show. The link is Gene Keys, G-E-N-E, keys.com forward slash the, the slash dream slash ARC forward slash REF forward slash 1707 forward slash. And then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets 15% off a suction toy. Um, Well, 15% off any toy, but my favorite is the suction toy. (laughs) It's called Air, A-E-R. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris. And I love it. I like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg. I teach women how to use pleasure wands to de-armor the cervix or yoni eggs. Oh my God, yoni eggs are so powerful, y'all. I have had some amazing experiences with yoni eggs. And that's something that I can, um, that I teach my clients how to do. 
but I buy all of my wands and yoni eggs from wands.com, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code Jade for a discount there as well. And then Higher Dose Infrared products, all things infrared at Higher Dose, code Jade75 for $75 off. I love y'all my sauna blanket. It boosts my mood. My bioenergy mat really boosts my mood. Like these things make such a difference for me. And I love the women who created these products. They're just so amazing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you would leave that review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.